Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. Hello, Charles Marshall here with you again on the Neil Garfield Show. Today is December 20th, 2018, and I am broadcasting live from San Diego, California. And as Christmas is next week, the show will be on a brief hiatus. Next week, uh, we will be back, though, uh, January 3rd talk about some compelling matters, and we will have a special guest attorney from Oregon on with Bill Padalo. And I am glad to report Bill Padalo is with me today as well. Welcome, Bill. Hi, Charles. Good to be here, and Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to you, and Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to all of our listeners out there. In radio land slash podcast land. And I will wish a happy new year as well, since we will be back again, as I was mentioning, shortly after the new year. As always, this show is brought to you by GTC Honors, Living Lies, and LendingLies.com. And it is made possible because of donations from listeners like you. Neil thanks you. I thank you. Any amount you appreciated, I mean, any amount you're, you're able to donate is appreciated. And you can donate directly by selecting the donate button on the blog at www.livinglies.wordpress.com. Now, today we're going to uh, revisit I won't, I, won't, I won't call this entity our old friend. It's not a friend. Uh, but it is an entity that we've visited before on this show. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about U.S. Bank Trust, N.A. as trustee for LSF9, Master Participation Trust. Uh, that's one of the kind of varieties of U.S. Bank we'll be discussing today. There are a number of spinoffs of a U.S. Bank um, nominal trust variety, shall we say. That's one of the ones under discussion today. And for those of you who've seen Neil's blog, you will note that today's show is going to focus on the U.S. Bank role 
in these, I don't know that phantom trust would be too strong a term uh, that does come to mind. And we're going to look at this through the lens of a settlement agreement between the city of Los Angeles. And it's, 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 it, to some extent, the entire state of California. The actual settlement, though, was filed in the county of Los Angeles. And it was the people versus U.S. Bank, you know, in their guise under their various manifestations of their so-called trust. So with particular reference uh, and, and, and a significant role of the LSF9 Master Participation Trust. So that settlement exposed a number of troubling aspects to how U.S. Bank litigates around the country and brings foreclosures, both as a plaintiff and then defends lawsuits against U.S. Bank NA and the associated trusts of various kinds. You know, they defend these lawsuits also in non-judicial foreclosure states such as California, typically. Uh, and then we will be discussing a lawsuit out of New York State uh, involving this LSF uh, Master Participation Trust, though this one is an LSF-8 Master Participation Trust associated with U.S. Bank. And there's an individual defendant there in a foreclosure-related case in the state of New York. Uh, so, Bill, why don't uh, you fill the listeners in on some of the intel you've gathered about this California settlement, uh, what it means, some of the component parts, and, and what the implications are for uh, listeners? Sure. Well, as I've talked about in the past and written plenty of articles about the entity that you name, um, <clears throat> part of what I've been seeing uh, as the evidence has been coming in in cases around the country is that not only are the stories usually inconsistent, um, but the trust document, the, the governing agreement for the LSF-9 Master Participation Trust has been uh, a wide variety of different documents, I should say, has been produced by the servicer, which is typically caliber uh, for this entity, um, into cases uh, where they're either prosecuting or defending, uh, claiming that uh, it's the governing instrument. And again, I just keep pointing out that that these documents are, they don't match up, they're not pooling and servicing agreements or not trust agreements, so on and so forth. Well, <clears throat> I was reading a deposition transcript of a caliber witness uh, in my investigation, and the witness had made a couple of interesting statements that kind of led me uh, to f or finding the settlement agreement uh, that we're talking about here. And when I pulled up the – it's a rather lengthy – documents, about more 1,300 pages, and that's because U.S. Bank, N.A., as the trustee, now, and i got to make very clear, these are different entities. U.S. Bank Trust N.A. 
and U.S. Bank N.A. are two completely different entities. And what they've been getting away with is just kind of interchanging those two names for whatever purpose they see fit. Um, but anyway, there are in this settlement, there's over 2,480 trusts to which U.S. Bank N.A. is named as the trustee. And in those 2,480 trusts that are all laid out in here, the LSF-9 Master Participation Trust, by that specific name, is on the roster of loans that U.S. Bank N.A. is claiming to be the trustee and in, in charge of notifying the investors for you know, all of these trusts. And for each of these trusts, they also provide the legal document, the pooling and servicing agreements or the trust agreements for each and every one of these trusts. So the first thing that jumped out on me when I saw that LSF-9 Master Participation Trust was on this roster was that U.S. Bank N.A., obviously, uh, signs the settlement agreement and is uh, acknowledging that it is the trustee for that particular trust. And that's contradictory to the, the assignments and um, case captions and cases everywhere where U.S. Trust N.A. is named as that party. Um, but also it names the trust agreement. Uh, it is the authoritarian document for this particular entity. And so they actually name what it is, which one. So I've got a variety of different ones that they've all said was it was the governing instrument. But at least here they say it's the document that was uh, executed on July 10th of 2014. And out of the various trust agreements that I have uh, and have seen and that's, that have been presented, I do have a heavily redacted, redacted version of uh, that trust agreement, I believe, that's executed at least on that date, okay? And um, so right here, this proves a lot of things, obviously, that, we've, that, that they're not telling the truth and they're playing games and hiding and all that sort of thing in all these other jurisdictions, and they're testifying to these matters, um, uh, in, in other jurisdictions, as I said, that this evidence clearly shows not only are they misrepresenting who they are, uh, they're misrepresenting who it is that they represent and the authorities given to them um, in these cases. Now, uh, what's really interesting here is, and I'm going to tie this into the Dupree case, where in, out of New York, where even though it's an LSF-8 master participation trust, it's, it's essentially the identical fact pattern, um, same players and so on and so forth. And the court takes U.S. bank trust to task, trying to repeatedly get that party to identify and prove its, um, uh, for jurisdiction reasons, its, uh, citizenship. Who are you and, and who are the beneficiaries that you represent? And repeatedly kept going back over and over, giving them a chance to 
come into court and provide documents to show and prove who they are. And U.S. Bank fails, according to this opinion, when the case gets thrown out because the court finally throws up its hands and says, look, uh, I can't make heads or tails of this heavily redacted trust agreement that you present, and um, you, you haven't proven who you are, and the parties represent, so I'm throwing the case out and dismissing it for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. But an interesting thing, and I'll read it from the court. It says, while the court asked U.S. Bank to provide evidence on this point, namely the trust instrument, it has utterly failed to do so. The trust agreement attached to the second memorandum was almost completely redacted, and the only visible portion remaining cited by U.S. Bank as apparently showing its active control over the trust states that U.S. Bank, quote, shall have only such rights, powers, and duties as are specifically expressed and required by this agreement, unquote. If anything, this provision seems to expressly reject the idea that U.S. Bank is an active trustee with real and substantial control over the trust assets, okay? It's a great, it's a great ruling, but what evidence that I have here now and what this presents, it clearly shows that, that they've been, they were lying here. They don't have or they refuse to provide this evidence because they're hiding and concealing the real parties. What's really clear here, okay, is that in this particular case in Dupree, U.S. Bank Trust repeatedly told the court in its story and in its attempt to explain itself, it continuously told the court that it was an entity that was registered in the state of Delaware and that its place of business was Delaware, okay? And that's consistent with the certificate of trust that the LSF-9 Master Participation Trust, for example, filed in the uh, state of Delaware, where uh, I'm going to pull up the uh, verbiage uh, from that certificate. Um, it states that the, the, the name and address of the trustee of the trust with its principal place of business in the state of Delaware Okay, and it also is signed and says that its particular identity, who it is as part of this LSF-9 Master Participation Trust, is that U.S. Bank Trust N.A. is not acting in its individual capacity, but solely as owner-trustee of the trust. Right? Now that's, I think, and you can weigh in on this in a second, uh, Charles, but when you identify yourself and essentially in your birth certificate as your full legal name and your capacity in your trust instrument and in your trust agreement is as owner trustee, um, that's how you identify yourself when you're going to, you know, come into court. And this is what they didn't do in Dupree. They're not doing this anywhere. In fact, Part of the uh, misrepresentation, I, I call it here, is, 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 and I'm sure you could call it a lot worse, I'm sure if anybody who's listening to this or looks at this uh, may come to their own conclusions that this is, would be deemed fraudulent possibly. Um, but anyhow, 
the identity is named as in, in these cases is U.S. Bank Trust NA as trustee of the LSF9 Master Participation Trust. They're not saying acting in its capacity as owner trustee. Right? So, so not only is it a misrepresentation as to the actual trustee, because U.S. Bank Trust is not the trustee uh, of the Master Participation Trust. That belongs to U.S. Bank NA, so that's a misrepresentation. But they're also hiding and concealing their actual true capacity of uh of their role and what they do. And so I also looked into trying to connect these dots is the trust agreement that's referenced in the settlement agreement in LA uh, with the case in LA. I pulled up uh, at least some of the information that wasn't redacted anyway. And it says the same thing in here that uh, U.S. Bank, U.S. Bank Trust N.A., is acting in its individual capacity as an owner trustee. So what we have here is they are, um, oh, and, and I should say also this, the trust agreement does not name U.S. Bank N.A. in the trust agreement itself. And, uh, and also what's also very important is that that trust agreement is executed by an entity called LSF9 Mortgage Holdings, Inc., or LLC, that's the depositor, okay? And LSF9 Mortgage Holdings LLC is, on, on, I should say, it was, there's one case I've actually seen an assignment by that entity, but every one of these cases, that entity is missing in the chain of title. is nowhere to be found, okay? And it's, uh, from my research, too, it's not a MERS member, so there should be an assignment at least to that entity if it's going to go into any of these whatever. I mean, I... Again, there's a reason, I believe, why they're lying and they're concealing all this, and, and I think that's very clear as to uh, why they're going to, to these great lengths. But anyhow, uh, so anyhow, the, so the owner trustee is, is, is acknowledged as U.S. Bank Trust N.A., and now I think this is the critical piece, that the power of attorney document that typically Caliber presents as the as having the authority to, to execute the assignments, the endorsements, to handle foreclosure-related matters and file complaints in judicial states. Everything that the servicer caliber is doing under the power of attorney document that uh, I've reviewed in these cases states that, uh, and I'm just going to find this right here in my system, <clears throat> U.S. Bank, who's, who's granting the authority, U.S. Bank Trust National Association, a national banking association organized and existing under the laws of the United States and having an office in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay, so right there they've gone on the record adamantly saying that their uh, jurisdiction and their um, uh, is, uh, their capacity and everything is in the state of Delaware. So they've at, they've, that's what they're hammering to the court. We are at Delaware. That's our place of business. So here they're saying, no, it's St. Paul. Now, that's U.S. Bank N.A. From my research, that's where, where the charter for U.S. Bank N.A. is located. But then it also says that it's acting solely as trustee. It leaves out entirely 
its true role and capacity per its trust certificate filed with Delaware, and in the actual trust agreement itself, it leaves out owner trustee. It just says trustee, which implies that it's simply acting as trustee on behalf of all the, the, the trusts. So now you've got a power of attorney document that appears to have, that's, that's hiding and misrepresenting the identities and authorities as the basis to carry out uh, all the documents and everything that they're doing to, to take and harvest the homes. I'll let you maybe talk a little bit yeah, on that's that. A lot of, that's a lot of good analysis, Phil. I mean, one of the things that strikes me about all this is it shows how when these U.S. bank trust trust uh, go into bankruptcy court and go into superior courts, particularly in non-judicial foreclosure states all around the country, and, and bring unlawful detainer actions, uh, these, these kinds of inconsist- inconsistencies and essentially uh, failure on, on the part of the entity purporting to be the real holder of the note, the real uh, holder of, in the case of unlawful detainers, duly perfected title, uh, the real party in interest that they are no such thing and that they constantly bob, bob and weave and shift the way they frame their name, the way they frame their role, depending on the particular proceeding they're in front of. What's disturbing to me is that this uh, essentially shell game of ever-shifting names and roles has not really been much exposed in either bankruptcy court or in lawful detainer court. And uh, I could say I'm shocked. I'm not, unfortunately, uh, given what I've seen uh, in, in, in my practice area over these years. Nevertheless, it's very troubling. And at a minimum, you would think the courts and judges would give more scrutiny to uh, who these U.S. bank trusts really are, uh, confirming that the various iterations of, you know, at at various points in time, LSF-9 or LSF-8, however they're representing themselves, and then as you say, um, it's variously depending on the pleading or depending on the uh, the case at various intervals. U.S. Bank Trust N.A. or simply U.S. Bank N.A. I mean, the Dupree case is interesting. That's the New York case you're referencing in part because it raises this issue of diversity citizenship. Diversity citizenship is often uh, an important legal principle in federal cases because you can only be in federal court based on either subject matter jurisdiction or personal jurisdiction, which you could obtain through diversity citizenship. Basically, that means federal courts are not uh, open, as it were, to 
to handling litigation unless there's a clear subject matter that they're going to take up. Uh, and for that, the plaintiff particularly has to show standing uh, and, and a reason why they're in the state, in this case, New York. And as you point out, in this decree case, everything about the, the presentation of U.S. Bank trust role in the case is referencing Delaware. And then you have U.S. Bank, which, yes, has been long, long headquartered out of Minneapolis. And then uh, the, other, the, the other aspect that I was mentioning that, again, is, is worth emphasizing is that when these trusts go into bankruptcy court and superior courts to bring unlawful detainer proceedings, they're simply not being held to account uh, in a way that uh, that they should be. Um, I realize uh, discovery is one possible avenue to sort out all of these kinds of distinctions. Um, when you do your, your loan analysis bill, uh, is there a way for you short of discovery? I would imagine that even in reviewing documents, you can expose some of these discrepancies. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, at the end of the day, U.S. Bank, if they're ever called to testify or provide any, um, uh, you know, val to validate, let's say, this, this power of attorney document I'm talking about, for example, uh, it was used uh, by Caliber in a Florida case and tossed out because the court said, look, I don't see anybody from U.S. Bank standing here in court today. Where's U.S. Bank? Um, they they tend to flee like, you know, cockroaches when the light comes on, when they get called into, into the spotlight to explain themselves. And so I've, I've read U.S. Bank uh, corporate trust officers' testimony in other cases, and it's very clear that the Sergeant Schultz of this thing, they play dumb and coy and say, we know nothing. We can't identify the investors. I mean, it's, it's essentially, as probably Neil would say, it's that they, uh, they rent their name in name only. They're, they're a naked nominee. Um, but I would go as far as to say that, uh, we now that this evidence here, uh, by their own signatures and admissions in court documents, to me, it's very clear that if you're facing an entity, as you introduced it at the beginning of the show, U.S. Bank Trust N.A. as trustee of the LSF-9 Master Participation Trust, if that's in your assignment or chain of title, that's a, that's a false entity. If you're coming into court as a plaintiff under that name, clearly that's a false name. They're not the trustee, and you've got to attack and challenge their standing uh, uh, now or even in the past, I would say, because this has been a, a, a misrepresentation of, of, of the true party and in interest. They misrepresented themselves. It doesn't exist. And the, their own trust agreements and documents and certified stuff proves that. Uh, that that's not the true entity. And, and I would go as far as even to say, too, is that, you know, these corporations, when they come into court, they have to provide a corporate disclosure, right? Um, and, and these... It's late. That's to yeah, I mean, it's... Correct. And, and what you, what you have, have is they, they totally um, are pulling the wool over the eyes of, of, of everyone in this. And now, um, when you lay it all out on the table... 
uh, I think the unredacted version of the trust agreement needs to be presented somewhere uh, to see what's beneath all of that 75% redaction because I'm very sure that they're, they're playing games and lying for a reason, and that reason is at the end of the day that the parties who are seeking, they don't have the authority under the security instruments to enforce a foreclosure remedy. I'm almost certain of it, and I think we're going to get to that point soon in discovery or a compel motion where they're going to have to cough this up and, 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 and let everyone see it. And that's something that we will be seeking. Well, thanks. thank you very much, Bill. Uh, I look forward to uh, being with you on the show in the new year. We will be back together again January 3rd, and you will have an attorney from Oregon that you've been working with. It's uh, one of your own matters, as I understand it, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to um, having him on the show and uh, uh, having him discuss a little bit of what he's he's doing in the uh, the Oregon uh, state courts. And, um, yeah, it should be an interesting show. Excellent. Well, Merry Christmas uh, to you, Bill, and Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to everyone, and Happy New Year as well. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony, and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity.